This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the MFG Cast. Just like that nice, hot, uh, no, let's try that. Just like that nice, warm, hot cocoa that you love on a nice, cold day. It's cold where I'm at. I don't like it. Plus, I'm sick, so that just, that just, just puts shit on top of more shit. I hate it. But how are you? (laughs) We're gonna have some fun here. You know what? I don't care if I'm sick. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk about some games, people. I am one of your hosts, Kurt Amuller. And this is D. Wyatt. We're going to talk about some deep dives. We're going to talk about games that play about uh, about an hour and a half or more, and, but seem like they just fly by because they're some of our some of our favorite games to play. Would you say that we're uh, going to explore the heavier side of MFGCast? Yes, yes. So heavy. So heavy, it's going to break my back. Uh, just like this cold is. So I apologize if you hear a lot of sniffling, a lot of... I'm going to try to edit out all the grossness, so hopefully it's not as bad as it seems. We just wanted to talk about, you know, some of these games that just... It takes a lot of time. You know, it, it seems like time is something that we don't have a lot of these days, but but when we do, we like to play these games because it's what, it's what they're some of our favorites, so... But before that, let's talk about what we've been playing recently. Dan, why don't you go first? All right. Uh, so recently, I have decided to go back to a, a couple of games of yesteryear, and we have decided to revisit the world of Vita Culture. Nice. You know what, man? I got to say, this game uh, still hands, not only does it hold up, but it still plays great. It still is really fun no matter what the player count. Played it at two. We played it at six. And I also got a game in at four recently. All the player counts are fun. It's one of the Stonemire games from I think like three or four years ago. And what's great is it's a really simple worker placement. Like there's nothing too like overbearing or complex in it. But it has a couple of great mechanics where based on the player count is how many people can go to each area on the board. So that's always fun and interesting, you know, like it's not like a blockout mechanic. And there's also this thing called the Grande Worker that guarantees that everyone can go to at least one spot that they want to. Like you can go to a spot even if it's loaded up. So it's not like being the last player is horrific. But the other thing that's really interesting, it uses a nice way of making the seasons matter. Where, you know, as you're running these vineyards from summer to winter and and beyond, it's there's like two sets of action spaces. So if you're in the summer, you can play only on like on the left-hand side of the board, like all the yellow spaces. And then in the winter is all the blue spaces on the right. And you only still get your worker pool for that year. So if you want to like make a whole bunch of wine and sell a whole bunch of wine, you need to save your guys for winter. 
But if you want to like plant vineyards and harvest the grapes and everything, you need summer. So it's a kind of fun, interesting mechanic of how it blocks off areas like based on seasons. There's of course cards and like a little abilities that let you get around these things. And this this is one of the games that has like a little weird background because there was Viticulture and then Tuscany. And then they made Viticulture Essentials and then Tuscany Essentials. So a lot of people are always like, well, you know, what do you get? What's in what? Basically, if you get Viticulture Essentials, you'll be fine. That game is really, really good. I have the old school Viticulture and Tuscany. But Viticulture Essentials basically took like the best of both worlds. Like it was all the easily accessible and also pretty fun and like quick to use expansions from Tuscany. You can always get the Tuscan expansion if you want really deep stuff, like unique workers that have variable powers uh, in the game. Or if you want to like start making like tomato sauces and cheeses and all these other things in addition to your wine. But just straight out of the box, the Viticulture Essentials is a great game. And it, like I said, it's just it's really beautiful to look at, really simple playstyle, very easy to teach. The bits and components are amazing. And I would still say it's like one of my most fun worker placements. Yeah, we were able to play that on Tabletopia recently too. And it's like even playing it on there, it's just like, wow, this game is so quick and easy to play. It's just, it's crazy how streamlined and well, easy to play and fun too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like teaching on Tabletopia sometimes is like a little weird because you have to make sure, like when you're teaching someone at a table, you can tell what they're looking at. On Tabletopia, I have to keep like looking for your hand. Like, okay, you see these cards? Where's your hand? I don't know where you're looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But you learn the game pretty quick. And th- like that was something that was really fun about too. We were able to start playing in a short time. Yeah, yeah. Talk about, you know, taking your time and using your time wisely. You know, it's like a lot of times when you're trying to, uh, when you're trying to learn a new game or teach a new game, you know, when you have it physically, Sometimes that's hard enough, but like on even on Tabletopia, which is still pretty streamlined and you know a little easier than other things, like some games, it could take a long time for you to figure out because you don't have those physical aspects there. So you're like, okay, I gotta double click on this card, see what this thing is. I have to double click on the instructions, read this. You know, with with Viticulture, it was like it, it hardly was any of that. You know, like even though you knew the rules you still hadn't played it for a bit. So you're like, okay, well there was a one or two things you had to look up, but otherwise it was, you know, pretty easy to just kind of pick up and play. So. Yeah. And one thing is uh, we always like a lot of times for you and I, it's bringing a game we played previously and playing it on tabletopia together. I want to bring like some of that tabletopia experience to my board game group. Like the next time I play Vita culture, I go reaching for a card and just flip the whole deck over and go, sorry, (laughs) I clicked the right click. My bad. I know. That sounds like a (laughs) bit. I hit the FK. Yeah. That's going to be a video we make. When we start making videos, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do like the tabletopia version of real life stuff, you know, and be like, oh, here, I'm going to put this card on here. Oh, wait, it's on sideways. Oh, wait, let me try to flip it again. Oh, wait, I flipped it upside down. Awesome. I keep hitting the wrong button. My bad. Um, (laughs) And one-on-one, I'm going to make it super quick. We've been playing a little bit more of the Near and Far campaign. Uh, We are now up to game four. And again, that game, you know, I've been getting more and more into like those like legacy styles and the campaign style games. Mm -hmm. And it's been really fun going into the campaign of this and actually continuing on with story. Um, 
playing it two player, it's like a lot of times where it's like anytime we get one of those keywords, it's always like, damn, I hope I get to come across whatever this means soon. We haven't really had luck with our keywords laying over yet, but we have found some of those special quests where it's like your next quest is actually like the next time you go to a quest token, you read off the special thing as opposed to whatever would normally be there. We've come across a few of those quests, but the only thing that I feel like is missing from the near and far campaign though, and uh, and and if people are curious about like what's in there and stuff like that, there's like worlds of information out there. Like uh, just know that it's a Ryan Lockhart game that looks great and there's a lot of weird things and you're going out and making choices that sometimes blow up in your face. It's kind of the easiest way to describe it <laughs> in a, in a in a 15 second window but um the only thing that's weird is like anytime we finish you know because sometimes the finish in that game can be a little abrupt where it's like okay i put down like my 14th tent oh well, that sucks because i wanted to go do this other thing and now i can't okay but the fact that you know you're just like jumping from map to map i just wish there was some transition story as to why we're both in this other area now mm -hmm. i mean i get it because it's the game and like that's how it progresses but it's just like like okay i went to a cave and i gave an old woman an apple it's like i found this guy that was looking for these books and we did this ritual together now we're leaving and we're going across the sea it's like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no transition no nothing happened we just go yeah right. yeah well i ran out of 10 so that's where the next models is yeah okay let's go <laughs> so. Yeah, you think with something that's so episodic and kind of like story driven or whatever that you would have that transition. Yeah, like even if it was just like a deck of cards, mm -hmm. you know, like where it's like when you're done the game, like when you're done, read this card and then go to the next map. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's like same thing with like above and below. Like it's it's got a lot of cool stuff, and then there's like the cool thing about some of these games. It's like you know they have these things that are kind of like with with those like special characters that you can get throughout it it's like we haven't even gotten to that part yet we haven't even gotten played the game enough where it's like okay how do we come to get these guys you know what you know what kind of story is behind them you know so it's kind of cool that you know they kind of hint at some other things that you could be doing and stuff like that so it kind of gives that a little bit more replayability i you know now that you mentioned above and below i think about how um there were those special characters that you can only recruit from meeting them in a quest. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about. I, I wish Above and Below had. I mean, uh, Near and Far had that. That would be so cool. Yeah. Well, you know, don't doesn't one of those games work in doesn't don't the games like work in other games and stuff like that? Does is there something from Near and Far that works into one of the other games? Yeah, you can use your character tokens from uh, Near and Far in Above and Below, and it's funny because like. The people in Near and Far are really battle-hardened, mm -hmm. so they don't need a bed to rest when you play Above and Below. Like, they're all more expensive, but they, they're they always available. Like, they automatically renew themselves. You don't have to have additional accommodations for them, so that's pretty fun. Yeah, gotcha. Cool. You know, but when you're when you're paying eight gold for somebody, you, you want them to be a workhorse. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, man? What have you been uh, playing at the table lately? I uh, Actually, I, I have two. It's funny because I, I had one, and then you made me think of another one. Speaking of uh, uh, Red Raven games, we actually uh, were able to play Megaland. Nice. Uh, I will tell you, I was not impressed with that game as much as I thought it would be. And I understand, like, it's a pressure luck 
kind of video game style entry game for families. But because I'm so used to, you know, Isle Bound, Above and Below, and even hearing about Near and Far, I haven't played that yet, but it, it's most of his games are so immersive that when you play this game, you're like, oh, this is way simplified. <laughs> More, a more simplified version of a Red Raven game. So it's fun, and I would, you know, I think it's something that Logan would like to play. I haven't, we haven't played it with him yet. Me and Tracy have played it. Or actually, me and Mike have played it a couple of times, and me and Tracy have played it a couple of times. Um, but I, it's just not one of those games that I don't think I would get to the table as much. I just wasn't as impressed with it as I thought I would be. So here's what I'm curious about with this game, though, and I, I want you to do me a favor when you play this with Logan. Instead of going, well, do you want to press your luck and, you know, go for the next card? Actually pitch it to him like he's doing one of those Temple Run games. Be like, like, what do you think, man? Can you take the next adventure? And just see if that hypes him up more for it. Because, like, that's what they were going for. And I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm like, all right, that was all right. The insert is what makes that game for me. Yeah, the game trays. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, they, want... they, that needs to be in every game, right? Yeah. Or at least every Red Raven game. <laughs> yeah. I, I I seriously wouldn't mind having those for every big box game I have. Yeah, I I do wish the only thing would be like as a hook for the adults or something, if those could have been additional characters for like near and far or something. Yeah. Like some something a little to be like where it's like, hey, don't worry, uh, you know, older guys. Uh, gals we there's a reason to keep this game please don't get rid of this immediately yeah because like for me I'm, I'm thinking about donating it to the local board game cafe mm-hmm. for that same reason yeah exactly yeah it's just it's a nice entry entry game it's a nice family game but it's just yeah again it's it's something i won't go i won't keep going to the well for yeah but the price point was great too yeah for, yeah that, that if that game was 30 i probably would have been mad yeah exactly been like why <laughs> <laughs> but hey I mean, it it it's getting it's getting that company into a Target store where you can look up the other games and be immersed in those. So hey, if that works out that way, then cool. Another game that we played, I've been trying to kind of like pick out some older games and just kind of bring them to the table just to see, you know, if we still have the love for them. And uh, got to play Hanshu again by Renegade Games, and uh, man, I. That game still makes me excited about it, man. It's just, it's crazy how just little this little game in a box, you know, just you know making out these little maps and stuff like that, and you know scoring the tiles, and then having the the options of putting these optional scoring cards in it and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's one of those games that playing it at two players, playing it at three players. I don't think I played it at four players yet, but like it, there's to me. Every like every player count I've played so far, I've been totally excited to play. It's a fun little strategy, and I don't I don't feel like I ever have the same strategy twice. Yeah, it's just one of those games that I just I would I would love to just have to play as a because it's such a filler game. Just be like, okay, we're gonna play this every week just to see if I can get how good at it I can get. You know? Yeah, it's. And it's kind of funny. Um, I did get to play that at like four and five players, I believe. The amount of table space that little box takes is insane when you're playing. Four yeah, players. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I crazy. mean, like, um, I love like the comboing. I love the fact that 
it actually feels like a, like a little city community, like that you can get resources that you can have refineries make to be more valuable. Like this wood is by itself really not anything great and you might be able to use it to really secure a card you want. But if you happen to get an area that uses wood, that might be three victory points. You know, and points are how you win this game. It's not just building something big. You need the points to win. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that, there's so many great things in that game. Yeah, there is. You know, and with those alternate scoring cards, like, you know, normally when you're playing that game, it, you've got those uh, those yellow dry lands or whatever, and they don't score you anything. But there's a card that actually scores you, like, I think, like five points if you have the biggest one, the biggest amount of land with that dry lands on it i can't remember if it's like four or five but still like that's big time you know you're so used to like saying okay i don't like those and now it's like okay well now we're gonna be you know trying to bust those out you know yeah and uh so by the way here's a fun little story that uh probably nobody listening will like but this is for me and not for you i guess um <laughs> <laughs> like you sold me on Honshu. i remember you posted a picture of it and i'm like i want that <laughs> and you thought I was talking about King Domino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's like, from a quick glance, they are almost similar, like, imagery. Mm-hmm. But Hanshu's, like, a lot more detailed and, you know, tight. Yeah. And uh, King Domino now has started using scoring cards like the Hanshu scoring cards. Where it's like, oh, if you have your lands in this configuration, you get these bonus points. Or if you have these things together, like the deserts that are normally worth nothing, now they can be worth something because of this scoring card and stuff like that. And it's like, I like that the game that I thought was the other game is using the things from the game that I thought was the other game. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those games that's just, it's got a lot of strategy and it's just in, you know, in a tiny box and you could play it over and over again. You know, I just, I love that. Yeah, and it, it, the theme works for me too. Like, I like the idea of like area building and like almost like city building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's just so many good things about it. You know, it's like, you know, oh, I could, you know, use this high card to, you know, decide what cards I'm choosing or whatever, or I could just get rid of this low card that I don't really give a crap about, and then, you know, the other person puts a high card, and then they decide, but maybe they decide, you know, they want, you know, the card that you gave away, they want to, you know, decide between the two, and then maybe you get something that you like. It's just, there's just a lot to it. You know, it's a lot more than it, it would seem. Yeah. And again, like it's another one of those like pretty low price points, if I remember right. I think it was like 20 or 25 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Very cheap. Very worth it. With so much replayability, I mean, you're just getting your money's worth and more. It's invaluable. Hey, that's something I've never said about a game before. Hmm. <laughs> and and you said it so eloquently. That's the part that I'm very That's right. With. That's that's how I say everything eloquently right right everybody that's right (laughs) so now you know we've been talking about these games that we're a little familiar with things that like play in decent time the question for you kurt is what about games that are a little bit more of an investment yeah no kidding it's funny because you know what i was looking at you know i this is actually something i came up with and i'm like yeah i think i've got some you know quite a few games that have that i'm like wait a minute i don't have a lot of games that are like you know, on the box that say like two hours plus or like, you know, you know, one and a half to four and a half hours or something like that, you know? So I had to kind of dig deep, you know, deep dive, dig deep, you know, that kind of thing. 
sorry to find some things that I was kind of excited about, you know. Now, just let you know, slow playing photosynthesis does not count <laughs> as it being too heavy. <laughs> well, if I put my tree there, just put down the seeds, right? Yeah, no kidding. We used to play with a guy that was uh, one of my friend's wife's cousins, and man, that dude took five hours to make a move, and I'm like, yep, never playing with you again. Thank you very much. They say he started playing a spotter game last year, and to this day, he's still in that same game. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so speaking of which, like, you know, you played a splatter game recently, uh, Food Chain Magazine. I sure did. You know, that's a game that not only requires a lot of time in the game itself, but repeated plays to get skillful at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I first, when I, you know, I, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. When I p- first played this game, I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? And then And then I thought I had the handle of it, and then I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? So I was like, man... And it's one of those, like, you know, you talked about it way a long time ago, way a long time ago we talked about it. And you're like, you know, you just have to make sure that you don't make the right, the wrong choices right away because you could be behind for the rest of the game. And I kind of had that and just really couldn't get back. And it almost turned me away from that game. It almost turned me away from that game. I think the only reason why I it didn't turn me away in the game because Mike was so excited about it that I was like, I can't, I can't deny him another play of this game. He was, he was even like, Oh, maybe sometime we can play and Tracy can play with us. I'm like, Oh, cool. All right. We can do it. <laughs> and, and you guys weren't even using the milestones yet. No, like, that was, was yeah, that game. was the introductory game. Yeah. I, I might have to get, if you guys can Skype it, I might have to get in on that game. <laughs> That would be funny. Yeah, it's like, um, so one of the things that's kind of interesting is when you were talking about this, I was always thinking about like along the lines of campaigning um, legacy style games, right? One of the things that I've been hearing on a lot of podcasts and shows lately is like an inversion to the legacy and campaign style games because of that time investment. You know, they feel like a pressure for their time that the dedication to playing a game 10, 15, 20 times is like too much. And I found that lately I've been getting into that more and more. Like one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in tabletop in a long time was doing Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And that wasn't even just like 12 games for us. That thing was, I think, like 18 games or 17 games because there was a few times we got our asses handed to us. (laughs) you know and um but it was nothing but fun like i I really enjoyed it i had a great time with the experience and i found myself like looking forward to it every time and like and there was a few times we would play like twice in a row so like that would become like a three-hour ordeal but i mean oh my god it was just like it was it was interesting it was joyous like we had discussions about it afterwards you know and that to me is like I don't get that from too many games, you know? Like, I mean, you can, like, you know, there's a lot of games you can play in an hour, and it's fun. Like, uh, one of my favorite games, Santorini. Every time I'm playing it, I have a blast, (laughs) you know? Um, For me, like, Santorini is like a cup of coffee. Every time I'm having it, I'm like, this is great. But when I'm not having it, I'm like, I would be down for a quick game of Santorini. But, like, there's nothing, like, there's no lasting from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no incredible deep delve that sometimes you can only really get out of these like more involving or like bigger investment games you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, definitely. One of the ones that actually was a, a game that played longer than I thought it would. Like, I, it, you know, it has a, you know, a thing in the box where, you know, it says, you know, it, you know, it could be, you know, this long or it could be this long, you know, and you kind of look at the game and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be that long, um, is when uh, Mike actually got Firefly of the game, um, the board game, and that game, it was like, wow, this game is detailed, holy crap. It's like, you know, it's like one of the missions could take like a half an hour, which you would think wouldn't be, wouldn't take you that long. But like, it's like, okay, go here. Oh wait, now go here and get this. Now here, going. Oh, don't die here. You know, go get this. You know, it's like, holy crap, this game is involved. You know, and I think when we first played it, I think we actually had to pause the game and come back the next week because it had taken so long. Jeez, like now, when you were saying like the missions like could be like half an hour and stuff like that. Is it like multi missions for each like play, or is like each play just one mission? Yeah, no, it it's it's a lot of missions, and I can't remember exactly. I think it's like you know you have to complete so many missions before the game is complete, and those missions themselves can take a very long time. So, and it's it's not like one of those. It's like okay, now I got to do this. Okay, now I got to do that. It's like it's story driven where it actually makes sense you know it actually has the characters from the show and it talks about why you're doing those things and why you're going on those missions and stuff like that you know it 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 gives itself a story it's not just like okay go from point a to point b oh it's got kind of the same things oh it's got the ship oh it's got the characters cool you know it it actually is involved and makes you feel like you're in the show yeah i've heard really good things about that one um i i still never really got the time to delve into firefly but people that I know that enjoyed the show said that game is crazy rewarding. Yeah. And, and to tell you the truth, I think like, of course, of course, you know, knowing the show, you know, gets it, you know, is a reward in itself to play this game because it has those aspects. But I, I don't necessarily think you have to know the show to actually enjoy the game because the game itself is so fun in itself that it's, you know, it's worth it's worth the time. I think. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking of that. Another classic game that takes a lot of time and that is tied into another sci-fi show, Battlestar Galactica. You know, mm-hmm. so many people love that game, and that that is a time sink of a game. Like you, you will probably be at the table for hours. And it's so funny because I feel like I hear so many people like, "Oh, this game replaces Battlestar. This game replaces Battlestar." Like. Like, they're just so eager to find a game that can, like, take that spot or something. Probably because Battlestar is out of print and there's a good chance we'll never, ever, ever, ever come back. But, I don't know, man. There's there's something about playing Battlestar. It's, like, as soon as you sit down, it's like, well, this chair is comfy because I'm going to be here for three hours. But, you know, trying to deduce <laughs> who's the Cylon and getting your plans together and even when you have them exposed, like... Going like, oh my god, can we make it? I, you know, I, I'm gonna go shoot down those raiders because if they cr- get get into the ship and they blow up our court, like, it's so fun that the time, like, I find that like everyone enjoys the time, you know. And if yeah. you play a game that's like Battlestar, but it's over in 40 minutes, like, did you make as deep an investment? Like, you know, do you do you even have enough of a like bonding with the with the game to care who is the traitor? Yeah, I, I love those. I love that kind of thing, and kind of keeping with that trend. Um, one of the games I actually on had on here was uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault. Now, 
a lot of people have said like like oh I don't really care for Star Wars and I still love this game like friend of the show Rich Summer ah I love to say that even though we haven't talked to Rich Summer in years it's cool to it's cool to say that because I'm sure he sure he hasn't listened forever I'm sure he's really busy but it was cool to have him on that one time but he talks about like he does not give one iota for Star Wars but he was in love with this game you know and played it and just had so much fun um what happened was is uh the other day me and mike were playing it and he told me that he he um was at a bachelor party for his uh uh, soon-to-be brother-in-law and um he just on a whim just decided to bring it you know he didn't know if anybody cared for star wars or whatever but he's like you know what i'll just try it anyway you know and he brought it out, and I think one of the guys out of the four that played liked Star Wars. And they played it, and they were all just blown away. They're all just like, oh, you know, and all the missions, and how it's so story-driven. And, you know, when you're, you know, the one player, the one person, you know, tells the story and can bring, and is the bat, you know, is the Empire and brings out all the ships and all the all the enemies and stuff like that. And you decide and you use your points to bring out more enemies if you want, or you can just lay behind and just wait, you know, and be like, yeah, let's give them a little, let's make them feel like they're, you know, doing so good. And then I'm going to drop an ATSD on them, you know? And it's like, there's, you know, it's just one of those games. That's like, it's almost kind of like a role-playing game where it's like, you know, you can, you take all these pieces to a puzzle and you lay them out in this world where it's just like, you feel like you're there. And even if you're not a fan of it, it still has that drama and that that funness to it that it's just like, wow, I just felt like I was just I just lived it, you know? So I, I love that aspect of like a game telling a story, making you feel like you're part of something bigger. And when you get when you come away from it, you're like, man, I gotta like I think one of his buddies is like, I'm getting that game. There's just no no talking me out of it. I'm just getting That's it, pretty awesome. Know? Yeah. See, like, yeah. Now, this is one of those things that I'm always curious about with, like, the gap between video games and board games when it comes to things like this. Because, all right, so um, the game that I've mentioned a hundred times before, the EDF game, the not even, like, the, the local one, the one that I got imported from Japan, I got, like, 140 hours in that game. Okay, tell me, tell me what that. Tell everyone what that is, so they, if they don't so know what Earth that Defense is. So, Earth Defense Force is basically a mindless third-person shooter where you're blowing up giant insects of all sorts, like spiders and ants, and there's alien ships and like giant alien robots and uh, mech suits and like these like alien toad warriors and stuff. I, I still cannot <laughs> understand anything that's being said. We've used a little bit of Google Translate, and we're like, okay, one guy said, uh, you know, like, we need to stop them, so let's go do that. <laughs> but it's just like, it's a game where, uh, it's a Japanese grind game where, you know, you start out incredibly weak, and by playing, you get points that stay with you forever, so you keep building yourself up, so you have more life, better weapons, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you know, me and Kim will play that together, couch co-op, or I'll just, like, play it by myself, you know. And, like, I got a ton of hours in that, right? And I think maybe, like, yeah. games like that is, like, what's causing me to go back to, like, legacy and campaign-style board games. Because, like, another another game, Disgaea. I started playing that again recently on the PlayStation. And these are games that it's, like, hundreds of hours RPGs, you know, five or six different endings. 
very tactical and like very grindy but it's really fun and it's i always find it interesting when like somebody's like oh yeah you know i, I don't have like time like you know i want to do a gloomhaven thing but i can't get people together or oh i want to try to do one of these but it's like too much time and then it's like you know oh how much time do you have in overwatch oh like 340 hours you know <laughs> and I'm, I'm really curious if there was like if there's something that is it just like the knowledge that you can just turn on a console or your computer and just be playing this game is is that's what makes these games so easy to pump those hours into or you know like i'm just curious is is it just like the visual stimulation the fact that you don't need to set up a board like video games yeah i feel i feel like i feel like it's just it's just people being lazy it's like do all the work for me you know i don't want to do any yeah, work it's like it seems like video games have this in spades but like tabletop games it's a little harder like i wonder if like video games are almost like like the cell phone game thing where it's like more about like well here's what's out now you know as opposed to like here's what's really good and worth like you know continuing for years and years because like overwatch has been around for yeah, a while yeah now, you know but it's it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's funny. It's like it's like uh, today even um, uh, Logan was playing a little bit of uh, uh, an old school Harry Potter Lego game, uh, years one through four, and um, it didn't have the bells and whistles. It didn't even have the speech. Like this is one of the older Lego games where it had they're just emoting more than they're they don't have any any voice actors or anything like that and so he's got to try to figure out where he has to go and do these puzzles and he's like ah dad i don't know i just i don't know if i'm liking this right now can i play something else <laughs> and, I'm like, and i'm like so what are you gonna play and he's like fortnite I'm I'm like, that was the answer you, before you, even you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's just like yeah it's like you know fortnite all it has all these bells and whistles and all these dances that he likes to do at school and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just, I think, I feel like sometimes us as people, we're just, we just do so much in life that sometimes when you get home, you know, for the weekend, for a day or whatever, sometimes it's okay to just, or sometimes we just think it's okay to get in front of a computer screen or, you know, a video game screen. Cause they're do they're telling all the story and you're just absorbing it. Where a board game, it's like, oh, I gotta set this up. Oh, I gotta move these pieces. Oh, I gotta think about what I gotta do, you know. And even these these deep dives and stuff like that, you know, even if you're playing a game that you're excited about, some of these games it takes you like a half an hour just to set up the game, you know. So it's like it's already taking a lot of your time. You see, there's one game, and I'm wondering if this like kind of bridges that that divide and that's why it's like so interesting lately uh that game detective like the the crime solving you know storytelling board game um we played that we did our first case i would say we played it over the span of like three and a half to four hours and what's interesting is you use the laptop but you also use the cards and your own notes and mapping out like you know links of connections and interests and all these things and that game is like fascinating and you know again it's a massive time investment and they even tell you like you know breathe it in like don't rush it like read the cards twice look over things there's like 
you know, because once you're done with it, you're done. So do not, you know, blow through it too fast. Like you want to savor this. And I find that really yeah. interesting. You know, I'm wondering if, if maybe other games will be inspired to go that same path as, you know, uh, detect like the detective game has for that same reason. Yeah, and hopefully, and hopefully people do take a heed to that because it's like. It again. It reminds me of playing like you know, like a long video game, like playing like you know, play say that you're playing like Final Fantasy or something like that. You know, you know. I used to be a guy that just would be like, I just want to get to the end. You know, I don't care about the middle. You know, I just want to get to the big bad guy, beat him, and save the world. You know, where like, you know, sometimes you know, even sometimes in the later games, they were like, okay, you you have to kind of experience this world and do some of these other things. Otherwise, you're not gonna be at this level where you're going to be able to beat those, you know, big baddies and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, it would be kind of cool to see, you know, how that all pans out with board, the board game side. Yeah, because sometimes I do wonder with, like, board games, uh, you know, they always say the reason why every game comes out with the reduced price season pass when you buy it, like in the first week or two, is so you don't trade it in early. It's like, well, you already paid for this stuff that's going to be out yeah. eventually. You don't want to give up this game, right? Keep that game on your shelf. Um, board games yeah. I sometimes wonder if that's going to be the future for board games where it's like you know like look uh, you know we know you're not going to get too into this thing but there's going to be an expansion that's coming on Kickstarter right now oh boy look at these meeples and these these new things you can do and hey metal coins everyone likes metal coins right you want some metal, like don't, don't you want to keep that game I mean this expansion will be to you in anywhere from 12 to 75 months like 80 tops 80 months tops and you can have this <laughs> you know and i'm wondering like sometimes if that's almost like an artificial way to keep an interest going in these games yeah. you know like uh if if like if a game came out this year and you didn't like hear about it in the first month like would you really care six months later or a year later you know like is there the final fantasy games like you remember how like when final fantasy was out there was like a hundred different RPGs trying to compete. Oh yeah, totally. But Final Fantasy is what stuck around. Yep. I wonder if that's like the same thing with like the tabletop stuff. Yeah. Well, it's you just said that. You know, it's like you know somebody trying to you know trying to make the next Battlestar Galactica. You know, it's like you know obviously people are excited about the experience that that gives, and they're like, oh, you know, we just want the next that. You know, and it's like, okay, do you want the next that because it might not be as good as that experience that you had with BSG. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, it's like I, I'm always like, uh, you know, like the UA Rosenberg thing. You know, the evolution of the uh, the Polyanimo games. It's like, okay, well, if um, Spring Meadow just came out, do you need to go back and play Cottage Garden, or are you just go with Spring Meadow now? Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the tiny epic games. It's like, okay. You know, if, if they come out with the next, you know, 15 of those, you know, are you going to go back to Tiny Epic Kingdoms, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, that that interesting divide between, um, like, a living world game, something that, you know, like Mage Wars. Mage Wars is still going. They're still putting out new sets of cards, new, you know, uh, like new abilities and everything. They focused a little more now on their academy than their arena sets, which is like 
Academy is a little more like magic where you don't really need the board and all that jazz and it's a simpler play. But, you know, that thing is still going and there's no, they never made Mage Wars 2, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I wonder if there's other games that might start like looking into something like that where it's, you know, like Summon Wars kind of is in the same boat, I would say. You know? That, that whole notion of like, well, here's new casters and here's new ways to play these cards. I noticed that the follow-up to Summon Wars, the Crystal Clans, doesn't seem to be doing as well. Like, I never really hear anyone talking about that. No. But, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, things like this are always interesting to me. Like, what what is the the fear of giving a lot of time to a game? Like, is it the game's not worth it or is it your desire to see all the things that are out there. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's, I feel like it is that, you know, it's always the cult of the new and stuff like that, you know, and we're, you know, the podcast like us, you know, we're kind of a proponent of that too. You know, it's like, okay, well, obviously, you know, we want to talk about some older stuff every once in a while, but we need to talk about the new stuff too, because that's what the game companies are coming, you know, to some of us to talk about, you know? True, but I, I know it sounds silly. It's like that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about when we get together for this. That it's just like, you know, we're talking about games from two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. It's, you know, it's it's not like where did I play this game from nineteen forty one? It's like, <laughs> but, except for when you talked about Titanic. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. The games from the seventies <laughs> and uh, the Dawn of the Dead game. But yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, I like just you know for myself to look back at these other titles you know there's been a few times like newer titles that are coming out that i told kim it was like my thing now and this is what really has been helping out tremendously with the gamer budget if there's something i'm really interested in i'll put it in my card and now i've been setting a timer on my phone to check it again in four weeks and see if i really want it so if like four weeks later, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, man. I want this game. Let's do this. I'll order it then. <laughs> I have drastically cut down on game purchases having done that. Good for you. You know, it's like, and it was funny because like now I find too, like when we get the thing, we start playing it immediately. Like that Death Note game. You know, we've played that thing like 10 times almost already. And, uh, you know, I feel like if I just bought it on the day that it came out, it would probably be still sitting in the shrink wrap. But because yeah. I had that anticipation building for week after week, it made it that much more interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another set of games that kind of all go together that I think, you know, deal with a um, deep dive is board games based off of D&D. Like, of course, D&D. <laughs> if you're going to play in D&D... Each session you get together, it's gonna be at least you know three hours or more. If you if you can if you can really get together and only pay for play for like an hour or two hours, good on you. And what the hell are you doing? Because that's weird. But like you know the D and D board games like the Battle for a Shardalon and uh, uh, Lords of Waterdeep and all those other you know big box games and stuff like that. It it takes these games or it takes the D&D license and makes it into these games that you can kind of see more, you know, it's like, it's like, 
you know, it seems like more more often now when people are playing D and D, it's more like, okay, here's the minis, here's a map, you know, here's how we go. This is what you know what your hit points are. This is what their hit hit points are. This kind of brings it more into the physical form, so you can kind of see the action. And not only are those games uh, fun to play because they're based off that D and D license, but they're put together well, where it's like it's a challenge. It makes you feel like you're in those worlds, and you know, they kind of continue to make them great. True. I mean, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like, God, I'm, now you got me thinking, it's like, I really want to play those games again. I haven't played those in ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I think a Shardalon was, like, the first game that we played. And, man, it, I think the first game we played, we got whooped. We got completely our asses handed to us but we're like well, let's play again you know it's just it's it's nice when you when you get a when you get a game that you're not gonna you're not gonna you know completely dominate and you're like okay let's do this again you know i'm up for the challenge no i'm actually i'm quick skimming the hotness to see what games are in there that are those like big time sinks and repeated play things like that uh gloomhaven still holds pretty high um Terraforming Mars. That's a game that's been around for a bit of time now. And have you like have you still not gotten to play this one? Nope, still haven't. Good lord, we gotta fix that. Yeah. Well, when we meet, we'll play it. True. We'll play it a lot. Because that's like that's another game. You know, it's like uh, you know, when you play that game with uh, like all the bells and whistles. It's like, well, this is gonna be a good uh, three to four hours. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately. You know, I I don't think I'll ever have enough people to play that game. I it, it does does it play two? Um, yeah. I mean, you can you can play two. I I really like it. You know, it's actually funny. Even though it goes up to five, like three players is probably one of the better ones because this way the turns are going fast enough that you don't start to space out. Yeah. That's like yeah. That's one of the fears of that game at times. Yeah. So yeah. So I. You know, chances are I'd probably play that game two player and probably not to not get the best experience out of it. So that's probably why I may never play that game unless we unless we meet up to play it. <laughs> uh, I'll, if nothing else, I'll, I'll uh, make sure that gets into the suitcase when the time comes. Nice. So now the question is, what are the games out there? Like, is there a game that you want to play? Like, you know, something that's either very deep or, you know, campaign style that you have, like, you just haven't gotten to yet or you have, like, some hesitation on. is like, is there one of these hooks that is calling to you, but you just haven't embraced it yet? You know, to tell you the truth, I don't feel like there is. You know, there's not there's not one of those games out there that it's like, like, yeah, I'd like, and, you know, maybe Terraforming Mars at one point because, you know, right away when I heard about that game, I'm like, this game sounds like so much fun, you know? And I'm like, wait a minute, you have to have friends. Okay. Well, I guess that's <laughs> not going to happen, you know? And it's weird because like, literally like I was like on board, like literally my finger on the trigger trying to, you know, looking to grab that game. And I just, I pulled back. I said, you know what? That's probably just never a game I'm ever going to get to the table that much. So you know, I kind of pulled away from it, you know, and everything else. I'm like, I don't know. Is there anything out there? Not really. I mean, there probably is eventually, but nothing I'm burning to play. 
Not even say Toimbra. <laughs> well, that one, that one, I shall soon get. It will be mine. Oh yes, it will be mine. There we go. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> so I want to get a feel of what other people have about these things. Like, you know, are you somebody that enjoys the legacy games or these like deep delves, or are you more into the like one and done? Like that was fun. Uh, what else do you have that's only about an hour? Is that like your preferred style of play? And Kurt, if they want to tell us about these things, how can they let us know? Oh, you can let us know at MFGCast on Twitter, or we have a Facebook page. Just look up MFGCast, join it, we'll let you in. We like you. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of that, we actually had a few comments about it. Um, we had a couple people on uh, Facebook. Um, Adam, Adam Duquesne actually talked about Axis and Allies. He loves that game, but he said, that one can take all day. And I have not played that game in so long, and yes, it can, and yes, it's brutal, and I probably will never play that game again because it's just too brutal. <laughs> um, our friend John from Legends of Tabletop, he says he does actually doesn't play a lot of long games. Um, the only one that he plays that's longer that fits the bill is Shogun, and he plays that quite a bit. Um, otherwise, he just loves... Uh, playing short games, which is funny because I actually role play with him. <laughs> I play Fear itself, a uh, Fear itself game with him, and he role plays a lot. So it's kind of funny that he doesn't really like playing any of those longer, crunchy games. But hey, to to each their own. Um, also, we had uh, Jarrett Nicholson uh, at five foot underscore fourteen inch on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Uh, he said uh, uh, he loves uh, Forbidden Stars because uh, his sons and him are deep into the lore. Uh, Dead of Winter, The Long Night, because the general bleakness vibe is cool. That's definitely a good one. Uh, Five Tribes with all the expansions because it's like deconstructing a puzzle. And Castles of Mad King Ludwig because who doesn't like to design their own castle? I'm curious now as, as to how long it takes them to play that. Because like, I've always found castles to be one of the faster games for us. Gotcha. But it could be because we just have reckless architects. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, if there's anybody else out there that, you know, there's these games that you, you know, you love to dig into that you love to play, let us know. Or if you're not even into that, if you're like, you know what? I don't even care about these long games. Who wants them? Go put them in a burn pile. Burn the crap out of them. Let us know. That's a little excessive. Uh. <laughs> Nah, come on. Burning a bunch of board games, that wouldn't make anybody cry, right? Right? Uh, so, yeah. So, that's it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Kurt. And this has been D. Wyatt. And this was the MFG Cast, a proud partner of the Legends of Tabletop. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.